Welcome to my podcast, Midlife with Courage, where my goal is to inspire you, a woman who wants to step outside of her comfort zone and live an amazing life. I'm Kim Benoy. I'll share my experiences, stories, and interviews with other amazing women that are meant to help you take those first steps towards something fantastic. So let's not wait another minute to get started. listen to this fabulous episode about getting some great tips about getting more sleep, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Schmidt Stop in Amory and Baldwin. If you are in my area in Wisconsin, you have heard me talk about the, the Schmidt Stop. I have a hard time saying that. It's a lovely little, there's two actually, they have two little candy stores and they have candy that kind of reminds you of your childhood. So now I'm going to show my age here, but like the bottle caps, the chuckles, um, they have a lot of sodas too. Like they have a whole wall full of these different sodas or pop, however you say it in your part of the world. Um, they also are online. So if you want to check them out online, they do ship uh, the candy and they have just some amazing things. So give them a a look on the web on their website, the Schmidt Stop. It's S C H W E E T S T O P, and tell them that Kim sent you and enjoy the candy. All right, guys, you might want to get a pen and pen and paper out for this episode because Morgan gives us a lot of great tips for getting good sleep. Have a great day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Midlife with Courage. I am Kim Benoit, your host, and I am so happy that you're here. And I am also very happy to have my guest with us today. Her name is Morgan Adams. Welcome to Midlife with Courage, Morgan. Thank you, Kim. Nice to be here. Yeah. So this is our one of our wellness options series where we talk about a health and wellness subject that maybe people don't realize there are other options to deal with. And, and when I say other, I mean, besides traditional, maybe Western medicine type um, options, no judgment, but just to kind of give um, women in midlife some options for how they can um, increase their health and their wellness to feel better. And today, Morgan is a certified sleep coach. So we are gonna talk about sleep and how there might be some different ways that you can um, help yourself get a good night's sleep. So Morgan, why don't you, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Where in the world are you? And how did you get into the sleep coach realm? Yeah, well, I, I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I became a sleep coach last year. And what really kind of inspired me to do this is I had my own battle with insomnia uh, probably 15 years ago. And we can delve more into that in a bit, but um, long story short, I got better and I was a pretty decent sleeper for the rest of you know time until COVID hit. <laughs> when COVID hit, I started struggling again and I got really concerned about falling back into that insomnia pattern. And so I started to uh, really hone in on my sleep hygiene. I got an aura ring, you know, it's a sleep tracker you wear on your ring on your mm -hmm. finger and just doing these experiments and my sleep was getting better. So I started just organically sharing what I was doing on social media. 
And I was really surprised to learn that so many other women in my circle were struggling with the same thing. And so I just kind of, you know, just got even more interested in sleep. And then one day, uh, it was about, I guess, two summers ago, I had a revelation that I wanted to be a sleep coach for women because I felt like I had gone down, you know, this long road of getting better sleep. I really understood it. And I wanted to help other women find good sleep. So that's kind of my, my Genesis story of how I got into this field. Nice. nice. Yeah. That's, I talked to a lot of women about very varied subjects and a lot of it, they get into something like this because they want to help other women. So kudos to you for that. I think that's wonderful. And so you, let's kind of jump into it. You were a pharmaceutical rep, correct? I was, I definitely was for eight years. So that was, I was a big believer in medicine. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Western medicine and Mm -hmm. prescriptions, and there's a pill for every ill. I fell into that, (laughs) that mindset, hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And we all, I mean, we all do. I mean, I, as a retired nurse, that's, you know, that was part of my job was handing out pills and yeah. 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 So, so you talk about sleeping pills and, um, having struggles with that and what yeah. you learned about that. So can we talk about that? Yeah. First of all? Let's talk about that because when I started having these sleeping problems, it was, I won't go into the personal stuff, but essentially I had a personal crisis in my mid thirties and that was what instigated the insomnia. Mm -hmm. And I did not know what to do about it. And I was given um, prescription medication called Ambien. I'm sure everyone's heard of it. Mm -hmm. And um, by my doctor, and I became dependent on it for eight years. And I had um, essentially just, I relied on it to get to sleep every night. And the next morning, I was always very, very groggy up until about lunchtime. I had several episodes during that, um, during those years where I would eat like binge at night and really not even kind of realize I'd done it. Oh wow! And, um, you know, it's just, it's like kind of a blessing. I didn't get behind the wheel, you know, mm-hmm. or hurt myself or somebody else. And really the turning point for me in realizing I wanted to get off the pills for good was when I, uh, started dating my current husband and he would notice that I would take these pills every night. And for me, it was just so routine. I didn't like make a de- big deal of it, but he's like, Morgan, you kind of become like a, a zombie after you take this pill. And it's kind of freaking me out. Mm-hmm. And that was like kind of a wake up call because, you know, here I am with somebody new that I really liked. And I, you know, it wasn't like he was like, you better stop taking these pills, but it was just like, I needed to really step back and examine, you know, really how, how are these pills serving me? Mm -hmm. So what I did was I, um, weaned myself off. And now that I know so much more about sleeping pills, I, you know, I wish I had consulted with a professional, with a doctor, uh, Mm -hmm. on how to like properly do that because there is, you really do need that support, um, from somebody who knows what they're doing but I just winged it. And fortunately it worked out for me. Um, so, you know, it seems like I've got this, you know, vendetta against sleeping pills, but I really, you know, I, there is actually a time and a place for a a sleeping pill. And really it's in a situation where there is an acute crisis, you know, there's a death, there's a divorce, there's an accident, or maybe you're traveling 
Um, but when your doctor prescribes a sleep medication, they really should be prescribing it in a way that they're letting you know, okay, this is how long you'll probably take it. And they should have a plan for when you'll stop taking it. It shouldn't be like a refill is needed. You know that I'm sure that's, yeah. you know, you were probably asked to refill is needed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're just not meant to be used long-term. It's just, they're not, that's not how they're indicated. And I'll talk a little bit about really kind of what it does to your sleep. Um, imagine your, imagine a good night of sleep, like an orchestra or a symphony, and you've got the string section and the percussion section, and you take a sleeping pill and the sleeping pill essentially would wipe away the, the, the string section of your sleep. So there is music in the background, but you're not actually going through all the phases of sleep. And so because of that, um, your brain is just not able to cycle properly and your sleep is not restorative. It's really more you're being sedated versus restored. Um, so there is definitely an agreement widespread that sleeping pills do shorten the amount of time it takes you to get to sleep. But when you look at people's sleep data, there's actually no difference between the, pill, the actual sleeping pill and, the, and a placebo pill. Oh, so it's just, it's ultimately just not as effective as um, the ads may have you believe. And there is a sleep researcher named Matthew Walker who um, wrote a book called Why We Sleep. And he's perhaps the most well-known sleep scientist currently around um, with that book, got so much attention. And he has a really, really in-depth section about sleeping pills. And I really don't, I, I don't wanna come across as you know, a total fear monger here, but there's one, one little passage. I just wanna, a, a sentence I wanna read from his book that kind of shows you some specifics about what a sleeping pill can do. So he says, quote, ambient induced sleep caused a 50% weakening or unwiring of the brain cell connections originally formed in learning. In doing so, ambient laced sleep became a memory eraser. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. that like, so <laughs> that's just a little taste of what Matthew Walker has to say about sleeping pills. So if you really want to learn more, definitely check out his book. Um, now, the, the real... Um, first line treatment for um, insomnia that a lot of doctors don't even realize is cognitive behavioral treatment for insomnia. Co mm -hmm. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is actually first line recommended therapy over sleeping pills. Um, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine um, has stated that, but your average primary care doctor on Main Street and your city may not understand that. And that's why it's just so easy for them to hand a prescription because quite honestly, they've only gotten about two hours of uh, education in sleep science during their medical um, wow. student years. Two, <laughs> two hours, just think about that for a second. We spend 30% of our lives asleep, uh -huh. ideally. Wouldn't you think that they would want to have more of a, a breadth of knowledge about sleep? Yeah, I would, especially since sleep is so important. And we're going to talk yeah. about that too. Like, how can that be? I know. I think I, I'm hoping things are changing, but um, 
but it, it definitely needs to change because we, we are, you know, there's, there are way too many people, especially after COVID relying on sleeping medicines mm -hmm. that, that, you know, picked up a lot yeah. after the pandemic. Yeah. So. I know as a nurse who has worked in a clinic, <laughs> like a regular medical clinic before, the focus a lot of times is on getting patients in and getting them out. So yeah. it's a time factor and the time it takes to write a prescription. And I'm not saying all doctors do this. I'm just saying that this is probably something to consider is that, you know, it's quicker to write a prescription first. And then, you know, the cognitive behavioral therapy takes more time. So just saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I completely understand why they do it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just not ultimately serving the patient. Exactly. Long term. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's our little background on sleeping pills. And that is great information, by the way. Um, that's not something you're going to see in the ads for no, sure. They will not tell you that. No. I promise. So again, <laughs> do your own research. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the power of sleep. I love, um, well, you're going to talk to us about this, but I love how you talk about what sleep, what, why we need sleep. So yeah. let's just jump into well, that. Well, just, just to revisit my favorite sleep scientist, Matthew Walker, he says that sleep is the Swiss army knife of health. And I truly believe that I, I, I sincerely believe sleep is a superpower for us if we know how to harness it properly. Um, if you look at um, the three pillars of health, that sort of triangle, you've got sleep, nutrition, and fitness. And those are, that's sort of the triad. I feel like nutrition and exercise have gotten the limelight for the longest time. Mm -hmm. um, I think that sleep has a bad PR agent. <laughs> and I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to change that. You are the new PR agent. Um, I am going to be hired by sleep as a PR agent. Now I, <laughs> yes, I am biased because I'm a sleep coach, but I really do think it is the most important of the three pillars. And, and here's why I say that, because you can go for several weeks without food. I mean, you wouldn't be happy, but you could te technically, you could go your whole life without exercise. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend it. Some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> But the longest anyone has ever gone on record without sleep is 11 days. Wow. 11 days. And so um, and studies actually um, where they sleep deprive subjects for the purposes of research, they're only allowed to sleep deprive them for two days because of the ethical implications of sleep depriving someone for longer. Um, so in my messaging about sleep and in my own coaching with clients, I actually find it so much more valuable to talk about the benefits of sleep versus all the negative health consequences. Mm -hmm. If you look online, um, you're going to see so much information in the media about all the terrible things that can happen to you if you are sleep deprived, if you're not getting enough sleep. And it's honestly, I don't think it's very helpful for a lot of people. I mean, there's a certain percentage of people who are motivated by those fear-based messages, mm -hmm. but for most people, it's not effective. And especially if you are somebody who has insomnia, because yeah. that creates even more, more anxiety for the person who has insomnia. Yeah. And I love that. That's what I kind of picked out from your information is like, because if you're not getting sleep, and you think, oh my gosh, if I don't get to sleep, I'm going to have these bad things. That even is worse. Like that makes it more anxious. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I love that you focus on the positive. Yeah. Benefits. I mean, these messages about this is going to happen if you're sleep deprived, that's really, I think, more helpful for people who are willingly sleep depriving themselves. 
You know, Mm -hmm. these are the people who are staying up late watching Netflix till one in the morning, or maybe they have mismanaged their time during the day. And so they're forced to work until late at night to finish a project. That's really, you know, who these messages are probably better for, but the messages aren't really disseminated in a way so that the proper person can receive them. Mm-hmm. So just let's, I, I'd like to just touch on like some of the really great aspects of sleep, you know, sure. get, get into the positives and, and turn the conversation from, you know, into more of a positive um, thing. So I'm just going to run down a few of the benefits. So sure. getting quality sleep will help boost your immune system. It also supports brain function. You've heard of the, the lymphatic system in your body. Well, we have something called a glymphatic system um, in our brain. And that's kind of a new development over the past 20 years. They just discovered this. And essentially what's happening is when you are in the de- deeper stages of sleep, toxins get flushed from your brain as you're sleeping through that lymphatic system. So it's, it's like kind of an overnight cleansing for your brain. So that's pretty important. Yeah. Um, sleep also helps your mental well-being and your ability to manage stress. When you are in the REM stage of sleep, that is actually the stage that is really mainly responsible for your emotional regulation. So if you aren't getting enough REM sleep, you could be short-tempered, you could be grumpy. We've all experienced those people, right? We don't, and oh, we don't, no, wanna, I don't know anyone and, like and that. We, we don't want to be those people. <laughs> yeah. Um, sleep also helps reduce inflammation, improves our memory, and it also keeps our hormones in balance. And a couple of key hormones that your audience might be interested in are leptin and ghrelin. So when we are short on sleep, we have two hunger hormones one is called ghrelin and one is called leptin. And when you're underslept, you have more ghrelin. And so you're going to actually be hungrier. That's your hunger hormone. And when you're underslept, you have more leptin. And that is your, sorry, you have less leptin. That is your satiety hormone. So that's the hormone that tells you, hey, put the fork down. So you've got both of those hormones out of whack. And that results in, the next day after you're sleep deprived, you're probably going to crave foods that are not gonna serve you well. You're gonna probably crave carbs and sweets Mm -hmm. and you're probably going to want even more of those and you're not gonna want to stop. I've I've actually experienced this phenomenon myself and I didn't know what was going on, but it like makes total sense. Sure. So those are, you know, just some of the really amazing benefits that you'll get if you get a really good night's sleep. Right. And as you mentioned, women that are listening are midlife. And so let's talk kind of segue into that because a lot of things that happen to us in midlife are the hormone imbalances. And, you know, we get this brain fog type thing that if you're not sleeping enough on top of that probably makes it worse. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So let's just take kind of a look at kind of where women fall with sleep especially in midlife. So up to half of perimenopausal women um, have sleeping problems and up to 60% of menopausal women have them as well. And so some of the main symptoms that they get would be hormonal fluctuations, hot flashes, waking up too early in the morning, um, racing minds at night, and also uh, spikes in obstructive sleep apnea. 
that's something that hasn't been talked about enough. And then when you look at the, um, the women who have sleep difficulties that are significant enough to qualify as insomnia, that's looking up to 20, 26% of those menopausal women. Wow. Those are big numbers. They're very big numbers. And I found out recently um, in a podcast on menopause and sleep that women with a past history of depression are more likely to have hot flashes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And women are 14% more likely, excuse me, 14 times more likely to have mood changes and depression at menopause. Mm. So it can be, it can be quite devastating for women as they're, as they're in midlife and they're dealing with hot flashes, which uh, impact their sleep, depression impacts sleep. It's just this kind of vicious cycle. So it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult beast. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some general recommendations, but, you know, I think that each, each individual situation kind of requires its own strategy. Mm -hmm for, for managing those, um, menopausal symptoms. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't, have you found this, that a lot of women don't realize the symptoms they're having are due to perimenopause or menopause? Yeah. I think that, um, there hasn't been enough education, um, yeah. geared towards women on this major phase of life. Yeah. Um, and I think that is actually changing yeah. because, um, I mean, I'm just seeing all these different articles about, you know, products geared towards women in menopause and um, more doctors are getting certified um, to be menopause specialists. I mean, we're just kind of starting to see that and I'm excited to see it really take off because if you think about it, we spend, we could potentially spend almost half of our life post-menopausal. And so why should we, you know, not really enjoy those years? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think previously to now the message has been well you're just gonna have to put up with it or live with it and and we know there's things that we can do to help our symptoms so um, so that's awesome so can you give us some tips if we're having trouble with sleeping yeah I've got five main tips that I want to share with you um the first one really relates to your bedroom um I look at the sort of a bedroom audit as kind of um the low-hanging fruit you know Mm -hmm. the kind of the easiest things to tackle you should really look at your bedroom as a cave. You know, you want it to be cool, dark, and quiet. So with the cool aspect of it, um, the ideal temperature for your bedroom is about 65 degrees, you know, give or take a couple. Um, And one of the recommendations is to start lowering your thermostat gradually, uh, you know, a few hours before you start going to bed. So that's very helpful with keeping your environment cool. Another hack that I have been using for a year and a half that I absolutely adore is um, a product called Chili Pad by a company called Chili Sleep. And um, it's been an absolute game changer for for me. And what it does, it's essentially a mattress pad and there's a basin of water and there's sort of tubes that flow through the mattress pad and you can adjust the temperature. So you can get it as cool or as warm as you want it. And it's, yeah, it's a little bit of an investment, Uh but it's just, it's, it's amazing. So that is, um, that's kind of a higher level, you know, uh, hack for getting your sleeping environment. So is that like something It's just big enough for one person? So if your husband (laughs) doesn't want to be cool, but you do. Good question. So they have a me and a we version. A me and a we. Okay. (laughs) So my husband and I have a we version 
and he can control his side and I can control my side and we're just happiest clans. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no fighting. No, yeah. no, it eliminates, you know, marital arguments very well. Awesome. Um, awesome. Another thing you can do for keeping yourself cool at night is um, choosing uh, sleepwear that's ban- from bamboo fabric. That's really the most cooling fabric. As far as darkness, you really want your room to be so dark that you couldn't see your hand if you put it up in front of your face at night. So we're, we're talking pitch black. Yeah. Really the best way to get that darkness is with a um, blackout black out shades mm-hmm. or curtains. Mm-hmm. Uh, those work really, really well. Um, you can also, if you want something in a pinch, this is good for travel. You can get like a black trash pad and tape it against the window as a, you know, it's a low budget way to do it. Or if you're traveling, um, another way to, um, make sure that your room is dark or to, to experience the darkness is to have a pair of, um, an eye mask, right. Mm -hmm. Just to go over your eyes because, um, you know, when I'm traveling like in an Airbnb or a hotel, I don't know what the situation is going to look like with the shades. Mm-hmm. So I always have a pair of, of an eye mask in my nice. bag so that I'm never caught off guard because nice. there's nothing annoying when the, the, when those curtains in a hotel that have that gap. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw a, a little hack. Like if you don't have an eye mask or whatever, um, sometimes if the, the, closet has those curtains with the hooks yes. or the, the clips uh-huh. you just clip them to the curtain to hold it closed yes that so is an excellent there's hack. another app another that's app for yes <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna give all the hacks yes um, yes and then the quiet aspect of the bedroom I like to use a, a, a white noise machine and you can just um you know choose one that's portable or if you don't have a white noise machine you can um <laughs> You can get an app on your phone, a white noise app, um, and just do that because I find that they're effective and that if you've got something like a barking dog, a barking dog. <laughs> I mean, how could I cue this more appropriately? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, or any kind of weird noise in your bedroom, any kind of clicking, the white noise machine can really kind of mask those strange noises that ha- might happen at night. Mm-hmm. Um, second tip is about a morning, a morning routine. A lot of people talk a lot about the evening routine, and I, I definitely believe in that. And we'll touch on that later, but I really do feel that the morning routine is actually more important than the evening routine. And it starts with one thing that I think is just a game changer and it's getting outside and getting natural sunlight within an hour of waking up. Um, you could go outside, sit on your porch, have coffee. 15 minutes is really all you need. I mean, ideally it could be longer, but that's really all you need. You don't want to wear sunglasses because you want your eyes to see the natural light. And what that does is it helps regulate your cortisol and melatonin to optimum levels during the day. Um, It can also help you become more tired at night at your, at your, you know, regular bedtime. So it's like, really just setting the clock and it's setting up all of your other um, circadian processes to happen when they're supposed to. Um, That's just a super easy intervention. Um, Also waking up at the same time every day, even the weekends is really important. That keeps your circadian rhythm strong and it prevents you from getting social jet lag. So social jet lag is basically when 
you wake up, let's just say at 6 a.m. every morning for work, Monday through Friday, and you sleep in till nine o'clock a.m. on the weekend. And what that does, it really throws off your circadian rhythm. It seems so innocent, you know, like I'm going to give myself a few more hours of sleep, but what it can do is set, set you up for jet lag is, you know, we all know what jet lag is. It's when, you know, your, your, your body clock is off and the same similar thing is happening when you're sleeping in that long. It's very similar to like having a, a trip, you know, to Europe or East coast to West coast. Um, and this is very interesting too. Um, women who had more than 90 minutes of variation in their sleep and wake times were more likely to have a higher body fat composition than, than women with less than 60 minutes of variation. Oh, interesting. So it could be good for your waistline <laughs> potentially yeah. to uh, keep your, your wake time very consistent and your sleep time as well. Hmm. And then another part of a really good morning routine, I would believe is mindfulness, some kind of mindfulness practice, whether it's journaling, meditation, breath work, uh, and movement. So you could actually um, incorporate movement with your, with getting outside, you know, you could kind of check those boxes off at the same time. Sure. Um, or if you don't want to go outside, if it's too cold or rainy, you could always just do like gentle stretching or yoga, just something to just get your body moving and the blood flowing. Yeah. So let's go to evening. Cause that's that, I mean, yeah. like I said, that is important as well. We need some kind of, um, some kind of routine because sleep is not an on off switch. Mm -hmm. You can't just, oh, you know, wouldn't that be nice? switch. I mean, it would be great <laughs> if we could just flip the switch to on and off, but yeah. that's not really how our bodies are designed. We really need to prepare ourselves for sleep. And for those, for those uh, people listening who have children, they know full well how important a wind down routine is for their toddler. If they can remember, you know, back to those times, you bathe the toddler, you read them stories, you know, you, there are all these little things you do because you know that they have to wind down. Yet a lot of times moms just completely <laughs> forget to do that for themselves. And right. so I really want, I really want to remind people to like, take that wind down time for yourself too. Um, I, I know it's just so easy for moms and women in general to like get so wrapped up in things that they want to get done in the evening mm -hmm. and to procrastinate going to bed. So if that is something that you, you fall prey to, it's a really good idea to set a reminder on your phone as to, to kind of kick off your wind down time. Mm -hmm. and an ideal time frame would be an hour, but if you don't have an hour, at least a half an hour, and there's something that I recommend. Um, it's if you have an hour, um, it's called the power down hour. And so it's divided up into three 20 minute sections. So the first 20 minute section would be preparing for the next day, like getting your clothes ready for the next day, packing your lunch. Um, the second 20 minute segment would be your personal hygiene, whether it's a shower or your skincare, you're brushing your teeth. And then the last 20 minutes would be something just really relaxing, like journal, um, a bath meditation or breath work. So if you don't have the full hour, you could just kind of compress it into a half an hour or however long you have, but that's just kind of a general guideline. When I'm working with my clients, we spend quite a lot of time really designing the evening and morning routines according to their own needs and their own schedules sure. so that they have a roadmap and they're not just left going, what do I do in the morning and the evening? 
Yeah. Um, I love the morning routine is what just stood out to me. I'm like, Oh, I never thought of that before, but, um, I think that's really important. And I actually kind of do that without realizing that's what I was doing. Cause I like to go out in the mornings and have my co coffee outside. You know, I have, I have two dogs. I let them out yeah. and that, that's a great time to take my cup of coffee out there. Um, when it's 80 below in the winter, I don't do that, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do poke my head out just to say, yep, it's 80 below breathe in some fresh air and then go back in. But um, yeah. I think that's really important. Um, and then when you were talking about like your nighttime, I use essential oils as people who listen to this know, and I know you use those a little bit too, Yeah. Um, but that's just another tool that we can use to kind of, you know, just let ourselves calm down at that, that 20 yeah. minutes. I think lavender is a great oil for that. Yeah. Um, I use that in a diffuser by my bed most nights. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think it's just very relaxing. It kind yeah. of just set you up. I mean, it's not, you know, like it's not a panacea for insomnia, but it definitely helps put you in that state of mind. It can kind of, yeah. um, just put you in that relaxation mode. Yeah, exactly. So, so did we cover all five tips? Two more. Two more. Okay. <laughs> I'll be quick. okay. So, um, be careful about what you consume before bed. So I really recommend having a caffeine curfew and an alcohol curfew. And the way the caffeine curfew kind of looks is cut out, cut out coffee by, by noon because coffee or caffeine has a half-life, excuse me, a quarter life of 10 to 12 hours. So if you had a cup of coffee at like say two, it could potentially still be in your system by the time you're going to bed. Mm -hmm. um, and we as bio-individuals have different um, genetics that dictate how fast or slow we will metabolize caffeine. Mm -hmm. So you just, I err on the side of caution on that. So, um, alcohol, that's, that's a huge one for midlife women, because as we get older, um, it, we just do not react as well to alcohol and it starts to really, really impact our sleep. So if you're looking at wanting to participate in alcohol, I would really suggest considering, um, a happy hour versus a nightcap because a happy hour is you know, five ish versus after dinner, you really want to leave like ideally a three to four hour window between your last drink and bed um, because alcohol will fragment your sleep. It reduces the amount of REM sleep um, and you just don't feel as good in the morning. I mean, right. And then with food, I would suggest having dinner or ending your dinner about two to three hours before you go to bed and try to have a late, a light dinner versus a really heavy meal. Okay. And then the last tip it's about what you use your bedroom for. And technically you should really only use your bedroom for sleep and sex. And this is a concept, um, but this is based on a concept um, called stimulus control from cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. The idea is to keep a very strong association between your bedroom and sleep. Um, a lot of people during the pandemic, I noticed started using their bedroom as an office. And so that definitely did not make a good connection between um, bed and sleep. They would associate bed with work and that would create a lot of problems um, with their sleep. And so, you know, just if you can really try to keep that boundary, I think it's going to help with your sleep for sure. Definitely. So those are the, those are the tips. Yeah. Those are great tips. <laughs> and like I said, I learned quite a bit from just that information. So that's awesome. Thank oh, you. Good. So you are a sleep coach. Let's talk about you and how you help other people get better sleep. 
Yeah. So I help women who are struggling with sleep um, on various different levels. There are some women I help who are, you know, they're decent sleepers, but they really want to optimize and really become like super sleepers. Um, I kind of consider myself like a sleep detective because I really, uh, I really peel away the layers. I do a very comprehensive, um, you know, question answer kind of thing where we really delve into, you know, some medical stuff and some sleep habits. So I can really kind of figure out what is going on and the appropriate uh, measures to help uh, correct the sleep problems. What I'm finding um, a lot these days is that I'm seeing women who really don't know their chronotype and really need help figuring out how to um, manage their schedule according to their chronotype and, and balance it all out. Mm -hmm. I'm also finding a lot lately that anxiety is driving a lot of women's sleep problems. I mean, it is just, I mean, from various reasons, what's going on in the world, midlife can be very hectic and very anxiety producing. And so I'm doing a lot of mindset work with these women to help them really mitigate that anxiety from the moment they wake up all the way through until they go to bed um, so that they don't have that chattering mind at night. So they don't have as many awakenings at three, three in the morning. Um, and then a lot of women come to me because I'm so very open in my own insomnia journey with the ambient dependence. A lot of women come to me because they want to get off their sleep meds or their over-the-counter um, their over-the-counter um, things that they take from the drugstore like Benadryl. And you know, I really help them build the sleep, build up their sleep confidence so that they feel that they can taper off or quit. And I always you know, if they like kind of going back to what I said earlier about the sleep meds, I really do um, really find it important for the woman to go back to her original prescriber of the medication and, and get that plan, you know, because yes. as a health coach, my, my scope is somewhat limited, right? So I don't right. want to be, you know, I don't want to be out of my bounds by saying, okay, this is your titration schedule. I want the doctor or the Provide, provider to set that up. And I'm there to support my client through that. Yeah. I and think that's also, a really important point to make sure yeah. people get that because you, you know, you don't want to tell them to do something that isn't beneficial to them. Yeah. Your job is to work with them and their healthcare provider. So absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So how do people you work with, I'm assuming you, you work with people one-on-one, -on -one. there's no kind of group coaching type yeah, situation, right? I, uh, maybe in the future, but for, okay. for right now, I'm really loving the, the one-to-one -one model of coaching okay. individualization, the customization. I have a six week, one-to-one uh, -one coaching program called my sleep makeover. Okay. And you can hop on my website, morganadamswellness.com. Okay. I offer a 20 minute consult call, you know, to just chat with people about their sleep issues and see if I'm the right fit. Okay. I'm also really active on Instagram. I do a lot of reels and video like tips and stuff like that. And so okay. my Instagram is morganadams.wellness. So okay. I'm often there doing reels. I don't, I don't do dancing reels anymore. Oh, come on. <laughs> I gave that up last year. Um, but yeah, I'm, I like to be on Instagram. 
right. Yeah, we will put all of this information in the show notes so people can just click on it to go to that too. Um, so you said, a, a, is it a free initial call to decide yeah, if you, okay. Awesome. It is, it's a complimentary consultation. Okay. Yes. And no you stuff. are in Virginia, but I'm assuming you do this over Zoom. Yeah, a Zoom, people. I okay. can work with anyone anywhere. Okay, so, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Morgan, thank you so much for being a guest. You have, you are just a, you've given us so much information and so much, um, so many great tips. And I know this is going to help our listeners to get um, some better sleep. You're very welcome. So delighted yeah. to be able to chat with you, Kim. Yeah, thank you. And I would love to have you back to tell us more about some other things that you've had going on in your life. Sure. And stuff. So we'll have yes. to set that up at some point. So sounds good. All right. Well, you have a great day and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Midlife with Courage, and I hope that you've been inspired and motivated to live your amazing life. I'm Kim Benoit, and I want you to live every moment. For more inspiration and motivation, check out my website, www.midlifewithcourage.com. You can read more about my story and find links to more great information. Take care of your beautiful self, and I'll talk to you soon.